Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. You guys look awake. That hour was good to you, wasn't it? That was great. Christina texted me this morning. She said, I got sabotaged. Those kids still woke up an extra hour early, right? So, well, hey, I hope you're having a good weekend. You know, last weekend was so fun for us as a church to have Ed Noble here with us. And and just so fun to hear so many of the positive things from so many of you, just how God spoke to you. And you really used him in our lives, and so we're really grateful for that. You know, the thing, thing that I appreciate about Ed so much is his desire and really his anticipation that God is going to do big things, right? And I just love being around him. I love just sensing that from him, that God, you're going to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And, you know, that fits so well with this verse that we've been talking a lot about this fall. Um, I hope you're getting very familiar with this. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And, and what I love about that is it's so fun to hear many of you using that language. You're praying prayers and you're saying things like, God, would you do immeasurably more? I got a text this week from a friend and he was about to go to a gathering and he was really hoping that God was going to do some great things in it. And so he just texted me, and, and, and in essence, his language was this, pray that God would do immeasurably more. I, I want to see God show up in, in my midst in a, in a big, big way. And what I love about that, and I just want to encourage you before we kind of get to where we're going this morning, I just want to encourage you, church, keep doing that. Because every time that we say, hey, God, would you do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine? What we do is as a church, as a people of God, we put ourselves in this posture of anticipation, of saying, God, would you do immeasurably more? Things beyond our plans, our dreams, our expectations. God, would you blow us away? And, and the reason I love this is because when you do that, and when I do that, and when we as a church do that, only God can get the credit. Only God can get the credit, right? And so just keep it up. I just uh, love, love that. If you're, I want to say this, if you're a guest here with us this morning, really excited that you're here. You know, we've been uh, uh, in this series that's taking us through the book of Acts, and I'm really excited that you're here this morning because today we're in Acts chapter 20, and uh, I think we're going to see one of the most powerful glimpses that we get into the life of the Apostle Paul. We're going to see this morning a glimpse into his life that really gives us this picture of the impact that he had with his life. Of all the messages throughout this series, if you had to say, you know, put me in a corner and you said, hey, which is your favorite one? I would easily say Acts chapter 20. Um, when Tim and I, you know, laid out this teaching series and who would be teaching when and what we'd be teaching, um, when I realized, hey, I'm, and I began to dug into Acts chapter 20, I was so excited because I love this passage. I love the, 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 the way that this text takes us. And I think it's going to lead us to a place where you're going to be able to walk out of here this morning with one thing. I'm going to pray that I'm going to ask you even just to say, God, would you give me one thing that you have for me this morning? But it's going to be one thing that's going to lead you to be able to live the kind of life where you look back and you go, I left a legacy that I'm proud of. Um, so before we get to the text, would you, um, would you pray with me? Let's just hit the pause button here for a second. And let's just go before the Lord and let's just say, God, would you speak to us in this place? So yeah, would you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Um, we do, we worship you in this place because you and you alone are good and you alone are worthy. And so God, we just humbly come before you and we say, Lord, now would you speak to us? Um, Lord, I pray that I wouldn't be heard today, but we would hear from you. And so even right now, would you, on your own, would you pray a very simple prayer? And this might be a brand new prayer for you. This might be even kind of a risky prayer for you. But would you, just in your own heart, would you just say, Lord, 
I've come this morning. Would you speak to me now? And so go ahead and just have that kind of prayer with the Lord right now. Lord, I love that you answer a prayer like that. And we say today, God, personally, as a church, in our families, in our careers, God, every aspect of our life, we pray immeasurably more. God, would you show up and do in our midst things that are beyond anything that we could possibly take the credit for? Lord, I pray this morning for the person who's here that just longs to hear from you. I pray that you'd speak to them in a fresh way. Lord, I pray for the person that's here this morning, and they just need a word of encouragement. They need to be reminded of how good you are and how worthy chasing and walking with you is. And then, Lord, I pray for the person that's here today, and they have yet to meet you. And Lord, I pray that you would just touch their heart this morning. I pray that they would begin to experience the joy of walking with you and the joy of knowing you. And so, Lord, we, we lay these requests before you. You are a good God. And we trust you, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 1904, there was this guy, and his name was William Borden. And he graduated from high school. He's from Colorado. And, and when he graduated from high school, he was the heir to this estate. His family was very wealthy. His father got into silver mining in Colorado and did very, very well. And so upon his graduation from high school, his parents sent him out on this trip, this chaperone trip around the world. Well, little did they know that as he's out on this trip, his life got rocked. His life was completely changed by the things that he saw. He saw physical needs in the lives of people that he had never seen, that he'd never experienced before, and he saw the same thing on the spiritual front, and it wrecked him. It changed his life. And so he wrote home to his parents. He said this, he said, I'm going to give my life to prepare to help those who are in need. Shortly after that decision, he wrote in the back of his Bible these two words. He wrote the two words, no reserves. And then he went to Yale University and then Princeton Theological Seminary. And, and while he was there with his own funding and his own backing, he, he opened up this rescue mission. And as his father began to see the path that his life was beginning to take, he let his son know, keep on this path and you will have no part in the family business. When he kind of heard that, he wrote two more words in the back of his Bible. He wrote the words, no retreat, I'm moving forward. His intention then was to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people who didn't know him, to northwestern China. And so he made this stop, though, on the way there in Cairo, Egypt, and making his final preparations. But while he was there, he contracted cerebral meningitis, and he died a few weeks later. He was only 25 years old. Shortly after he died, though, his mom found his Bible, and she noticed that under those first two words, no reserves, under those second two words, no retreat, he wrote this third set, this third phrase, he wrote the two words, no regrets. Now, you hear a story like that, you read a story like that, and, and it inspires you. I mean, you read the story about a young man who had such conviction and such passion. He knew what he wanted to do, and he was wholeheartedly going after it. You read a story like that, and those two words grabbed me, no regrets. Wouldn't you like to get to the end of your life and to be able to say, I have no regrets. I'm happy with how I lived. I'm proud of the legacy that I've made. You know, I, I believe, even if it would be just from today forward, I believe that there wouldn't be a person in this room that wouldn't say, I want to enthusiastically sign up for that. I want to be able to get to the end of my days and to be able to say, no regrets. 
I left a legacy that was so strong, and I'm so proud of that. You know that word legacy, it carries a ton of weight, doesn't it? That's a big word. We're going to see in Acts chapter 20 today that there was a noble, noble legacy that the Apostle Paul left. Your legacy is what you leave behind. And so I want to start off with this question this morning. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? And I believe that whether you're a student or whether you're much older, this is a question that you don't just kind of hear and then answer quickly. You have to sit in this question a while. You have to wrestle with this. You have to really think about it. What kind of legacy do I want to leave? And I'll be honest, it's no fun, is it, to think about not being here anymore? That's, that's not a fun topic. But if you really ponder that, it leads you to a good place. It's such a thought-provoking question. What kind of legacy do I want to leave? This week, uh, I heard about this thing called a death clock. Have you heard of these things? So they calculate the date of your death based on how you answer five or six all-encompassing, of course, questions. And so it gives you some, you know, you enter some stats. And so I, you know, I couldn't resist. So I checked it out. I went online. I put in my information on this website and answered a few of these, these major questions and like how tall are you, things like that. And, and, and then I hit submit and out it came. Here it is. This is the date of my death. Sunday, November 9th. 2064. Now, of course, I'm a pastor, so I have to die on a Sunday, right? I mean, and I was just thinking, man, I hope I can hang on till after church, you know? I hope I can. So if you're around and, and you know, you see the feeding tube, just slip me a little Red Bull right into the tube, get me, get me through the afternoon, right? So anyway, uh, morbid, isn't it? The death clock. But I got to be honest with you. When I saw this Sunday, November 9th, 2064, that was impactful, but even more impactful was this. Underneath that, then it said this. It says that I have, as of today, I have this little ticker on this website now. I have 17,171 days left. That's it. 17,000 days. Now, think of it this way. Again, I know it's kind of a morbid thing. But fast forward, if you will. Just travel this with me just for a little bit. Fast forward to the day of your funeral. Put it in, putting it another way. Fast forward to the day of your funeral, thinking about legacy. Who do you want to speak? And what are they saying? If someone was to stand up at your funeral and they were to give a discourse on your life, what would you want them to say? Who would you, are you proud of it? Do you like the things that they're talking about you? You think hard and you think long enough about something like this, and it makes you ask questions like this. It gets your attention. It makes you ask questions like, what am I passionate about? What are the things that, that really drive me? How has God uniquely gifted and wired me? And am I using that to my full potential so that, yes, one day I'll stand back and I will say, yes, my 17,000 days, from this day forward, I live them well. What dictates, dictates the decisions that I make? Why is it that sometimes in life I give a strong yes to an option and then I give a strong no to something else? What is it that guides me? What really matters? Think about your end and you begin to think about now, the days that you have. This morning we're going to see this picture from the Apostle Paul's life that challenges me to the core. It challenges me as a pastor. You're going to see a pastor's heart in this text. But it also it challenges me as a Christian. It challenges me as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as someone who wants to leave a good legacy. This picture that we're going to see this morning, i got to warn you, it's packed full of emotion. And, and the, the picture comes at the end of our text. And so I actually want to go to the end of the story first, and then we're going to back up and we're going to look at four key things. 
But know this, when we get to verse 36, this is kind of the context of the ending. When we get to verse 36, and you can flip there now, Acts chapter 20, go on your phone or wherever. What's happening is this, Paul is saying goodbye. Paul is saying goodbye to the elders of the Ephesian church. And these guys have traveled some 30 miles on foot to say goodbye to him. In other words, they loved him. And so he's saying his goodbye. It's called his farewell address. It's a big deal because Paul has loved these people dearly. Paul has poured his life into them, his energy into them. He's visited them from house to house. He has been in their lives, and now he's leaving. And when we look at this picture of this farewell, it tells us so much about the life that he lived. And so it says this then in verse 36. It says, when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and they prayed. Just kind of picture that. It says, then they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was this, was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Now, to say that these people were going to really miss Paul is like the understatement of the year. They loved this man. And they loved this man because of how he led his own life in the days in which he was with them. I was in a setting this week, and we were praying for someone who has this pretty serious health issue. And it became evident as we're circled around and we've got our hands on this person we're praying for them and it became very evident as we prayed the impact that this person has had on the lives of many people around the circle because you could just hear it in their prayers it was like that they were welling up with tears there was a lot of emotion why isn't it true the more that you think about when someone's gone and the more that that bothers you it's just a sign of the amount of impact that they've had while they are here now, what I want to do in this text is this morning is I want to go back now. We've seen the ending, so they're there, and they're like, oh, we, we don't want you to go, and it's an emotional departure. I want to go back now, and I want to look, and I want to ask us to ask the question, why? Why were they so upset? And what was it about Paul's life that left such a great legacy? And what I want you to do this morning is this. We're going to look at four things, four things that lead to a legacy that you can be proud of. Four things that will allow you at the end of your days, I believe, to be able to stand back and go, I hope someone stands up and talks about this. I'm proud of this. And so I want to ask you, as we go through these, whether you're a student or a parent or a business person or a grandparent, would you just say this? Would you say, Lord, which one, just one, one of these four, Lord, which one do you have for me this morning? So here we go. Remember now that as we've gone through the book of Acts, just kind of really, really quick here, the gospel is spreading, right? We've seen that all the way through this series. We've seen that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is coming to life, that the gospel, it's breaking all sorts of barriers. It started in Jerusalem, and then it went to Judea, and then it went to Samaria, and now we're seeing that it's going to the ends of the earth. It's breaking all sorts of walls. The gospel is expanding. What I love about it, it's, it's breaking the walls like the walls of ethnicity. It's this beautiful picture of all of these different ethnicities coming together, it's something that we, we long for and we're praying for would be true even of this place, that beautiful picture of all ethnicities together. The gospel is breaking through economic barriers. The gospel is penetrating the hearts and the lives of people, and the Roman Empire is being changed by the message of Jesus Christ. 
And so we get to verse 17, and it says this. Now, no, Paul is on his third missionary church. He's planting. He's encouraging these churches. But these are his words to this group of Ephesian elders that he loves. And so he says this, verse 17. He says, from, from Miletus, Paul, it says, sent to, uh, to Ephesus for the elders of the church. Now, again, this group holds a very special place in his heart. But know this as well. When you read through the book of Acts, you're going to notice that most of the longer discourses that we read about, they're written to people who don't know Christ. And so it's the story of Peter stands up and he gives this long discourse, or Paul stands up, he gives this long explanation of the gospel. This passage, this is a long discourse that's written straight to followers of Jesus Christ. It's actually written to leaders, you could even say, in the church. And so that's that's what's happening. It says, verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, and again, This is the beginning. This is number one of four. This is his legacy. He says, you know how I lived among you the whole time I was with you. From the first day that I came to you in the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing uh, by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So there were people that were opposing Paul all the time. And then he says, verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I poured into you. I have declared to both Jews and to Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Now, this is the bottom line. What Paul is speaking about here is this. He's speaking from this perspective of a guy who lived in complete rebellion to Jesus Christ, but Jesus got a hold of his life. And since Jesus has gotten a hold of his life, it's changed his mission completely. It's changed the passion of his life. It then says this in verse 24, skipping ahead. He says, however, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. He says, my only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Think about these words. They're so powerful. Paul, what he's saying is this, the most important thing to me, the bottom line is this, is that I want to testify to the good news of God's grace. If you want to leave a legacy that you'll be proud of, The first thing is this, number one, maybe jot this down this morning. Let the gospel shape your why and then go hard after it. The the Apostle Paul lived with this very clear why. Why am I on this planet? Why am I here? Lord, what do you have for me? Now, there's a lot of sharp people in our church, and I, I love getting to meet with people in our church or people in our city. But here's the thing. The sharpest people that I know, you know what they do so often? They take time, I see this again and again, and they prayerfully consider that question. What is my why? Why am I here? Why am I in business? Why did God entrust me to be a parent? Why am I a student? Why am I single? And they take the time to really think about those things. And here's why it's so important, because they realize there's two realities There's one, there's this life that you've given me, God, but there's also this reality that if I know you, I'm walking in relationship with you. That's called, you know, that's the kingdom of God. I live in relationship with God, interactive. But they know this, those two intersect. And so my life with Jesus impacts what I do. It impacts how I run my business. It impacts how I parent. It impacts everything about me. It impacts the neighborhood, how I, you know, interact with my, the people around me that God's put in my life. The sharpest people I know take the time to say, time out. 
How has God gifted me? And if he's changed my life, if I lived in rebellion against him like the Apostle Paul did, but then by his grace he let me know he saved me, he drew me in, and now I live in relationship with him, how does that impact my days as I go forward? I love it. Again, let me show you this verse, verse 24. The Apostle Paul, he was so clear. He said, my only aim, I have such a clear why. My only aim, I might do X, and X, Y, and Z with my life, but my overarching goal is this. Paul said, my only aim is I want to finish the race. I'm, I'm, I'm going hard. I'm going to go till the last bell rings. I'm not giving up. There might be setbacks. There might be things that push me off course, but I want to complete the task. I don't want to quit. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. That's the heart of the Apostle Paul. And if you want to leave a legacy with your life, you have to be so clear. You have to know, hey, let that gospel shape your why and then run with everything you've got and pursue it. Number two, look with me at verse 22. This is so sharp. I love the Apostle Paul. I love this description that Luke gives us. It says, and now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Notice what Paul does here. There's no doubt about it either. People admired this about him. Number two, the second key is this. You hear and you respond to the nudges of God. If you want to leave a legacy with your life, you hear and you respond to those nudges from God. Paul said this, I'm compelled by the Spirit of God, meaning I'm hearing God. Like I'm, I'm actually doing my life, and, and it doesn't mean, it's nothing weird here. It's nothing like, you know, maybe God will write in the clouds to you, or maybe he'll talk in a very deep, low voice to you. I don't know. He hasn't to me. It'd be great if he does to you. But it just means this. It means that when I come up to a decision, when I go through my day, I'm asking those questions, Lord, what do you want me to do here? God, is there anybody that you want me to notice? God, I'm going through the checkout line. Does she need a word of encouragement? Uh, God, I've I got this person over here. They need an invitation to come here. Well, whatever it is, it's I'm going through life, and God, it's saying, God, I, when I come to the fork in the road, and I, I think I should go this way, but I'm not sure. Maybe I should go this way. What's most important to me is what way do you want me to go? Because I want to be right where you want me to be. A couple of months ago, I was talking to an older woman in our church, and, and I just sensed one of those nudges from God. You know how those come. God just prompts your mind. I mean, that's all that it is, I believe. But when the Spirit of God's in you, that's how a loving Father interacts with you. He's not distant. So I got one of those. I felt like it was a nudge, and, and it was simply this. Ask this gal if you can walk her to her car. Now, I didn't really feel like I had time to do that, frankly. Felt like, no, I've got a meeting to prep for, I don't have time. So I, you know, I pushed back like usual, unfortunately, and, but eventually I relented, and I've just got to say this to you. That conversation on the way to that car has been defining to my ministry, defining to my ministry, and it was a high point for me. I, I don't think I'll ever forget that conversation, but you know what it began with? Just a nudge, just a gentle whisper from God, a prompting. You know, if you get to the end of your days and you can point to times in your life where you felt like, I did what God wanted me to do. 
I mean, I took as many steps forward, and I just kept going in every step of the way. I just said, God, what's your will? God, what do you want? God, I, more than anything else, God, I just want to be in the center of your activity. If you'll do that, I believe you will leave a strong legacy. I think people will stand up and they will say, she listened to God. He really wanted to know how God was leading him. That's a legacy. Let's keep going. Number three, verse 25. It says this. It says, now I know, remember again, Paul talking to these Ephesian elders. He loves these, these people. He says, now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Again, heartbreaking. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. Again, this is how seriously he has taken what he has considered his only aim to testify to the gospel. I mean, he, he feels like I'm accountable for the relationships that God you put in my life. It's a big deal to me. I'm innocent of the blood of any of you, and here's why. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I was willing to tell you about the one who changed my life. And then he says this, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds. And you know this, you look at this word and kind of understand what's around that. It's this idea of you're the kind of person that you, you look at the people, you look at the people of God and even the people outside that don't know Christ and you, you're caring, you're growing in your love for people. Be shepherds of the church of God which, is, uh, which, was, uh, which he, sorry, bought with his own blood. Again, Again and again and again we see this. Paul goes back to the gospel. He's saying that the church of God, that the people of God, that when Paul was reached by Jesus Christ, it was only because he was bought by his blood that Paul knows Jesus. That's how he's experienced forgiveness of sin. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death and he proved that he was God. Paul laces the gospel all over the place. Verse 29, I know that after I leave, Savage wolves will come in among you and they will not spare the flock. And that would have just broke his heart. He said, even from your own number, men will arise and they'll distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Again, he cares for them. And then he says, remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. The third thing is this, if you're going to leave a legacy, something that is enduring, know this, you need to relentlessly prioritize people. You know what Paul is saying there? I, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with what? What was it, church? Somebody, come on, you had an extra hour of sleep. Somebody, starts with the T. Tears. Tears, thank you. Hallelujah. All right, you're, right, you're with me. Think about this. The Apostle Paul just wasn't like some pastor. He kind of flew in, flew out, didn't know the people. He knew them. He loved them. And it says that he led them with tears. He cared so much about people. Said another way, let me just ask you this question. Are you growing in your love for people? The longer that you love Jesus, is it leading you to love people more. If you want to leave a strong legacy, one that you'll be proud of, when somebody stands up at your funeral and they begin to talk, they will have a lot to say if you relentlessly prioritize people. 
You see people differently. You love people differently. Paul wasn't waiting for people to come to him. I think if Paul was, you know, going to join a small group, he would have said this. I need to join a small group, not just because it'll be good for me. I think he would have said, because I want to be good for others. I think Paul would have looked at his neighbors and he would have said this. Hey, I'm not just going to wait for them to say hi to me. No, 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 no. I want to love. I want to bless. Why? Because, God, you've been so good to me. Because I've tasted your grace. And as a result of that, I know all people matter to God. And so I will relentlessly prioritize people. A couple weeks ago, I was, I was talking to a guy, and he was telling me about um, how he, he grew up, and, and he's in his 40s, and, and he said this. He said, when I was a teenager, so, you know, this is years and years ago. He said, I, was, I had no spiritual direction as a child from my parents. He said he was an atheist, really. And then he said this, though. There was one guy that intentionally invested in his life. I mean, this is more than, this is decades ago for him. And he said this. Since he intentionally invested in my life, he said, it changed my life. Now, you know what this person did? That's a legacy. He left a legacy. But you know how he got there? He relentlessly prioritized people. He put people first. He said, oh, you don't know God. I, 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 I want to walk with you. I want to lead you. I want to intentionally pour into your life. And then lastly, look with me at verse 32. And again, I want to encourage you as we go through this, ask yourself this question, Lord, which one do you have for me? Lord, do I need to intentionally prioritize people? Have you ever noticed there's the small things sometimes that you do that make a huge difference? Just the small things sometimes, they lead to a huge opportunities with people. Okay, lastly, verse 32, it says this. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. He says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Verse 34. He says, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must, here it is, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's like Paul summarizes the whole thing. His, his final admonishment to them, his final word to them, so succinct, so simple, he says this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Number four, if you want to leave a legacy that you'll be proud of, I believe this is a key part. You live with a generous spirit. You live with a generous spirit. You look at your time and you say, how can I be giving with my time? You look at your words and you say, how can I be a blessing with the words that, God, you've, you've given me? How, how can I be generous with all the things, Lord, that you've entrusted to me? I was having lunch with a guy this last week, and, and it was evident that he's living with this legacy mentality. And we were just talking about life, and, and at one point, I just kind of took a time out, and I just said, I said, hey, thank you. I said, you know, you know what you're doing for many others? You're modeling what it means to really chase after Christ and to want to live a life where you're going to be proud of the life that you've lived because you're doing these things. You're, you're prioritizing people and you're, you're wanting to hear from God and you've got a very clear why. I mean, you own this and you do this and, and you're involved in this and you work there. But you've got this overarching why that is so clear and it's connected to the gospel. And he simply said this to me in response. He said, almost apologizing. 
He said, it's just the fullest way that I know how to live. In other words, I've found it is more blessed to give than to receive. Have you ever noticed that sometimes that you, when you feel most satisfied and energized and connected with God, it's when you've poured yourself out the most? You ever notice that? When you, when you said yes to something that would cost you, that you'd have to, you know, invest yourself in, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you feel the most poured out, you actually feel the most energized? Why? It's this truth right here. It's that idea that it is more blessed to give than to receive. On Friday, I, I was driving on the interstate, and I was heading east on Interstate 80, and I, I got to about the 60th Street exit. You kind of know where I'm at. And uh, so I'm, I, I go by this van, though, and this van, it's a big, it's a transport van. On the side of it, it said Midwest Medical Transportation. And uh, so it's a transport van, so it kind of sits up high, windows are oversized, and so you can see, really see into it really well. And I just noticed, this caught my eye so, so big, you know, it really, it really caught my eye. I noticed that there's this guy, and there's only one passenger in the van, and it's not normal seating, even this guy was kind of strapped in because he was being transported, and he was, you know, he had a, a, just an older guy, and he looked very unkept, very, you know, hadn't shaved maybe for, maybe for years, I don't know. Um, but he looked like he was on the last chapter of his life, frankly. You know, he had this white, um, this bed sheet over him, and I mean, it just caught my eye. I mean, I just drove by, and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, wow, that's a guy that probably isn't going to make it much longer. And so I, I kept going, and, and I just sensed this. You know, I got well ahead of them, and I sensed this nudge from God. You need to sit in that picture a little bit longer. And I was thinking, well... I looked in the rearview mirror, I'm like, that van's a long ways back, and Lord, and, uh, but I, I slowed down a little bit, and I think the van actually slowed down too, because this took forever, right? <laughs> and so I'm going now from 70 on the interstate, or whatever, I'm sure the speed limit, whatever, anyway, and so, <laughs> sorry, There's several police officers that work here, that's not very smart of me, but. Um, anyway, I'm slowing down, and, uh, and the van is slowing down. No, it's finally catching up, and people are passing me, passing me. It just took forever. Finally, though, the van gets back to me, and without looking like a total creeper, you know, I, I came over one lane, and then they went over one lane, so I did the same thing. And then I got just behind him just a little bit, but I could see this guy. And again, last chapter of his life. And he would open his eyes every once in a while. His head was cocked, never did bring his head up even. Open his eyes, and then he shut his eyes. And it was as though the Lord just whispered to me, Jeff, remember this. Your days are short. You've got 17,000 at best. Your days are short. What kind of legacy will you leave? I mean, I don't know who that guy was. I have no idea. But is that guy one that he's able to say, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets? I just felt like the Lord was just saying to me, you sit in that moment, and you make your legacy strong. You take a time out like the sharpest people that you know, and you ask yourself the question, God, how have you uniquely gifted me? God, what do I have to offer to people? God, what do you want to do with my life? God, who should I prioritize in my life? How should I keep people on the forefront? Lord, what do I say yes to? Lord, what do I say no to? Lord, am I the kind of person that when you nudge, I respond? Or do I ignore you? Or do I live in communion with the God 
the father that loves me, and what good father doesn't want to interact with his kids? Do I live, though, in relationship with him like that? So it pushed me just to ask that question. So I want to lead you back to these questions. Here they are. Here's the four. And again, ask yourself, just one this morning, church. Is it this one? If you want to leave a strong legacy, do you need to let the gospel shape your why more? And then do you need to chase harder after that? Do you need to spend yourself on that? Number two, do you need to hear and respond to the nudges of God? And again, that's not a weird thing. That's just a good father with his kid thing. But do you need to respond when God leaves? Do you need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm kind of like on autopilot with my life, and I bring you in a few times a week. Instead, Lord, I want to, no, I want to hear and respond more. Number three, Lord, maybe it's people. Maybe I'm just so, I'm just so blast, you know, I'm so busy. But God, would you help me be busy with the things that matter the most? In the, circle that, in the circle of influence that you've put me, would you help me see a greater purpose? Would I relentlessly prioritize the people in my life? And then lastly, Lord, would you give me a generous spirit? Lord, would you help me to be the kind of person that whether it's with a word or with a deed or with what you've entrusted to me, God, would I be generous with it? Would people sense from me that person longs and they understand the fact that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? And so here's what I want to do. Our band's going to come out, and I just want you to look at these. We'll keep them on the screen here. And I just want you to look at these, and, and, um, and I'm just going to pray for us. But I want you to take just a moment and just say, Lord, which one do you have for me this morning? So, yeah, let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, we just want to say to you this morning that we want to be a church that hears your voice. God, we long to be a church that... God, when you speak, we react. We long to be a church, Lord, and a people that we relentlessly prioritize people because all people matter to you, all people. So God, break our heart for the things that break your heart, Lord. And might we get to the end of our days, Lord, and we're able to say no reserves, no retreat, no regrets. Father, we love you. God, lead your church, Lord. We long to be more like you. Father, thank you for the book of Acts. Thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. And Lord, might we be able to stand before you one day and for you to look at these men and these women and these students and to be able to say, well done. You left a legacy that you can be proud of. Lord, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.